Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Triple Threat Podcast. I am DJ Shockley. Also joining me is my man, Scotty D. Scotty D. How you doing today, brother? How you doing? What's going on? I know you're excited. The Hawks got a win in game one, so I know you hype over there. How you doing, bro? Man, I'm living on that Hawks high. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pumped, man. We got game game uh, two coming up tomorrow night. We're coming out with the show a little early this week because our guest is amazing, and he's going to be able to weigh in on it. No doubt, no doubt, man. We, we appreciate everybody joining us, man. Obviously, uh, this... Uh, show is pre- presented by Bet Online. Uh, obviously, we do a lot of betting. Scotty D, you do a lot of betting. I don't know what you're but, talking uh, about. Oh, you you never done it, huh? Is that right? <laughs> no, man, I love Bet Online. No, it's good, man. So you guys go make sure you get Bet Online. Uh, a lot of great things going on there. Uh, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website BetOnline.ag. Or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, today we got a good show, man. We got a legend. I mean, a legend joining mm-hmm. the show in Charlie Ward. Heisman Trophy winner back in 93. They won a national championship, played nine years with the Knicks, uh, started in the 99 NBA Finals. Played for the Spurs and the Rockets. You know, is in the Hall of Fame and the College Hall of Fame back in 2006. I didn't know this. I was looking up some stuff on Charlie. He holds the fourth largest margin of victory in the Heisman Trophy ballot. How really? cool is that? Wow. The other, the other guys in front of him, obviously, he had a 1,622-point difference in when he won. The other guys, Joe Burrow, I think everybody probably could, could, sure. could figure that out. 1,846 was his point. Difference in 19, O.J. Simpson, 1750 and 68, and Troy Smith, 1662 in 2006. Troy so Smith, gonna, really? Troy Smith, yeah, hmm. yeah. So uh, Charlie comes in and uh, is the fourth largest margin victory. I can't wait to talk to Charlie, man. We're going to ask yeah. him, obviously, we're going to discuss that Hawks and Knicks because he played for the Knicks. Uh, I'm sure he's going to have some some cool comments about uh, this series, and we'll, we'll discuss that in depth, but he also – we're going to talk about that Heisman Trophy season. We're going to talk about him at Florida State. Why did he go play basketball? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I got an interesting question I want to ask him about some of the young African-American quarterbacks in the league right now, what he thinks of them. And I think you got a good question too, Scotty D, right? Yeah. What Charlie Ward would look like in 2021. I think that that mm-hmm. would be pretty cool to hear from him uh, going forward. So you all stay tuned. Charlie Ward come up here in just a couple of minutes. Nice conversation with him coming up. Obviously, the big news in the National Football League, two big stories. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Julio Jones situation has had an uptick in the last week. Mm-hmm. Last couple of days, Shannon Sharp on Undisputed calls up Julio Jones live on the show and asks him point blank. First off, are you going to Dallas? He said, no. But then he said, what about Atlanta? He said, I'm out of there. Um, Julio Jones admitted he is gone. And it actually came out that he asked for a trade a couple weeks ago. And Scotty, we talked about this last week about Julio, you know, possibly being going and some teams that he was looking forward to. Well, mm-hmm. it looks like it's going to be a foregone conclusion. Julio Jones, gone. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm getting 
what frustrates me most about this isn't really doesn't have much to do about Julio other than the fact that he just took a bunch of trade leverage away from them by basically saying that live. But, uh, but you think Julio can? Julio don't care. I guess not. And, uh, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want Falcons fans to remember that Julio ain't worried about you. And it appears he's not worried about the Falcons anymore. And that's okay. It's a business, right. man. And right. anybody, any fans that are talking about how Julio is not being treated right, he's not, he's being disrespected, all this thing. Look up how much Julio's made in his career with the Falcons. A lot of good money. They have twice made him the highest paid receiver in the league. And they gave him a raise one time in between those because he wasn't happy and he was pouting about some stuff yep. three years before his contract was over. So and he, don't and he be. Still got, and he still got 38 mil left. On yeah, deal. <laughs> don't be feeling don't be feeling you know bad for Julio at the at the hands of the Falcons. Come on, it's a business. He knows it's a business. He knew this was coming. Just let it happen. It's got it's got to happen. You got to get rid yeah. of them, and now they got to you know see what they can get for him. Yeah, Falcons fans, you got to look at this as a situation where there is an impasse. Both sides are on the out, yeah. and the Falcons are looking to be making the best decision for their ball club going forward. And Julio wants out, and I've known Julio for a minute. And this is a guy who you got to understand, once he decides something one way or another, that's where he's going to land. And mm -hmm. he's got the superstar status, and yeah. he's played well, and he's deserving of it. And he's going to be looking for a lot of suitors. A lot of guys are already trying to recruit him. Jalen Ramsey, for yeah. one, trying to recruit him. Guys from New England trying to recruit him. Right. So he is still top 10 player in his league. And rightfully so. So Julio Jones looks to be on the outs from the Atlanta Falcons. Another big news was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, uh, obviously Kenny Mayne had his last show uh, just come on last night, which was Monday night. And he had Aaron Rodgers on the show. And obviously there was a lot of conversation. He tried to stay away from what's going on with him and the Green Bay Packers. But he did have some insight. Listen to this. He said, with my situation, Look, it's never been about the draft pick, picking Jordan. He told McKinney May, I love Jordan. He's a great kid. So it's not about Jordan Love. He says, we've had a lot of fun together to work with. Love the coaching staff. Love my teammates. Love the fan base in Green Bay. An incredible 16 years. It's just kind of been about philosophy and maybe forgetting that it's about the people that make the thing go. It's about the character, the culture, and it's about doing things the right way. So that tells you it has nothing to do with the guy that he goes and battles with on the field. It has something to do with the guys on the hierarchy, on the upper part of this yeah. organization. And, you know, it's one of those situations where it looks like he could be on the outs as well. Obviously, he is asked to be out. He's asked to be, you know, traded, and he doesn't want to be a part of this ball club. What do you see or how do you see this playing out after hearing what he just said last night? Well, I'll tell you – what would be a dream scenario is if we could trade Matt Ryan and Julio Jones for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and then everybody be happy. Oh, wow. Everybody be happy, right? No, but seriously. That'd be ridiculous. Seriously. No way. To me, I uh, know, but um, ah. they would both be so salary cap hit hard and then still no. have to pay those guys a ton of money. Um, I, I, I feel pretty much the same as I did last week or the week before when we discussed it last I think Aaron Rodgers just needs to be told that he's loved all the time. And that's, and I think that that's the kind of person Aaron Rodgers is. He can say it's not about the draft pick. He can, you know, he, he had time to think about what he wanted to say. So, you know, I take it for what it's worth. I don't think he dislikes Jordan love. Um, but, you know, for, I think the key word there was to say that, you know, they forget it's about the people 
And that to me is code for Aaron Rodgers saying, I'm not feeling as loved as I want to feel. And that's just that's just typical Aaron Rodgers. And and it's it's just it just amazes me how the Packers fans can be so unlucky as to have to deal with this twice in a row now. They now granted it was a pretty amazing 30-year run they've had of quarterbacks. Let's, let's, let's be honest. But right. each of these guys have have kind of pouted their way out uh at the end. And it's it's I don't feel sorry for him. Screw him, yeah. man. Yeah, so I don't feel the same way about Julio. To me, to me, Julio has been a good soldier here and everything. It's it's all about. I don't think anybody in Flowery Branch doesn't want Julio on the team. It's just it, it's just can't they can't afford him. Yeah, so it's a business business decision. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a different. It happens, yeah, it happens yeah. so many times in the National Football League. And it just so happens it's one of the main stars of the Atlanta Falcons team, and they got to look to go a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing to look at for Aaron Rodgers if he does not report for next month's minicamp. He is subject to a fine of 93,000, 15,000 for the first missed day, 31 for the second missed day, and 46 for the third missed day. And it could get even more expensive come training camp where there's a mandatory fine of 50,000 mm. per day. Now, Aaron Rodgers is rich. He has a lot of money. Yeah. I understand that. Is he willing to give up all that money? He may be. He may be in a position where he says, I am stuck in the mud and I don't want to move. So, uh, a lot of interesting things going on there. Two high-profile players in the National Football League, Aaron Rodgers and Julio Jones. We will continue to see how all this plays out. But now we must get to the legend himself and my man Charlie Ward, who joins the Triple Threat Podcast. Coming up next, a lot of great things here coming from Charlie Ward. Hope you guys enjoy here on the Triple Threat Podcast. Charlie Ward is next. Welcome back to the Triple Threat Podcast. And I told you I was excited for our guest today. Obviously, he has done a lot of great things in his life and his career. Uh, but obviously, he is one of those type of guys that you love to talk to because of what he's done and the kind of guy he is. Now, welcoming into the show, my dude, Charlie Ward, Heisman Trophy winner. I know he gets that. I mean, that's just kind of the title you have. I mean, can you just put that in the end of your name now? I mean, is that how everybody introduces you, Charlie? Um, I guess it's part of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But either way, it really doesn't change yeah. Change who I am and yeah. uh, what I'm about. Uh, but grateful that I had that experience and uh, be able to uh, have a platform to be able to share what God has blessed me with. For sure. It's uh, it's kind of surreal for me to come back to where we are now, uh, kind of give people a little background on, obviously, our relationship. Um, obviously, we have a connection with uh, one guy in particular, and Coach Mark Rick, uh, both coached by him, um, both uh, kind of mentored by him. And throughout my time, uh, obviously, he was a guy that you – you were a guy that he talked about all the time to me, especially when I was – actually headed to Florida State and thought I was going to Florida State myself. And uh, Coach Rick, you know, kind of telling me, hey, you remind me of Charlie so much and the way you carry yourself and all that kind of stuff and the way you played. And uh, a, a cool part about this, Scotty D, is back in my my senior year, back in 2005, I don't even know if Charlie still remembers, but back in my senior year, 2005, Coach Rick comes to me and says, 
hey, I want to connect you with somebody, you know, kind of be a mentor to you throughout your senior year. And I was like, okay, cool. Who is it? And he says, Charlie Ward. I was like, what? Seriously? And so throughout my senior year, after every game, I would get a call from Charlie and he'd say, hey, I saw you do this. You need to do this. You need to kind of do a little bit better on that. Or I thought you did good on that. And I thought it was uh, pretty cool to have that kind of relationship. That's uh, pretty cool. So, Charlie, man, I appreciate you, man. Obviously, I know you got a lot going on. Uh, You know, you were just named a uh, all big Ben coach of the year. Uh, a little while ago, so uh, things are going uh, right in the in the right thing for you, man. But I, I want to go back, man. Obviously, well, well, just just that all that means is I have really good players <laughs> and uh, really good coaches and a great support staff. Um, that, that's what that means. Yeah, no doubt. As as QBs, we all know it's about the the people that surround you, and uh, you get some of the the good accolades as well as some of the bad stuff too, as well. But uh, congrats on that, man. I know that's a big deal for you, uh, especially in that in that realm. Let's let's go back, man. Obviously, you were a guy who did it all, played multiple sports, uh, and played them at a high level. But going back to high school. Thomas County Central. I heard a lot about Thomas County Central growing up. You guys had some dudes <laughs> coming out of that school for sure. Uh, but what was the first love? Because I, I I know basketball, a big part of it, baseball, football. Everybody knows you, you know, you want a Heisman. But what was the first love for you? Well, I get this question uh, quite often. Um, and really, my first love is uh, sports. So um, I have a book out called The Athlete. And it's basically what I enjoy. Um, I enjoy being an athlete. So uh, growing up, of course, it was during the dark ages at this point. But uh, we played every sport. Um, anything that had a ball at the end of it, uh, we played. Um, I grew up in the YMCA. You know, we played ping pong, pool. Um, we, we did all those things. And then we would go outside and play basketball, uh, baseball, kickball. Um, So that is just what I was raised on. Um, That's what I enjoyed. And so when it came down to choosing sports, it wasn't really one sport over the other. It was just I enjoyed doing all of it. Um, That's the reason why in high school um, I, I worked to try to play as many sports as possible. Um, I only was able to get a few of those sports in. But, you know, once I got to college, that was another reason why I didn't choose one over the other, because I just enjoyed playing. And um, and so uh, when it comes down to, you know, which sport I enjoyed or the first love, I'm just uh, sports, you know, <laughs> athlete, whatever you want to call it. So that's just the way I am. So when you went to Florida State, did, did you – did you go as a football player and then walk onto the basketball team? Or, I mean, I'm sure both coaches knew, I mean, I'm sure the basketball coach knew you were coming, but how did, how did, how did that relationship with the two sports at FSU play out? Well, when I was being recruited, um, actually it came down between Florida state and uh, UGA um, at the end, but I ended up going to Florida state one because it was closer to home <clears throat> and two, uh, Coach Bowden had allowed Brad Johnson to uh, play basketball. And so he has some history on his side as far as allowing guys to play the, t- the sport, the, the other sport that I wanted to play. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but none of this, I hadn't talked to any basketball coaches at that time. And, you know, the great blessing, you know, from it all is my freshman year when I got there, uh, or Coach Brown told me I could play basketball um, if I was to get my make, make sure my grades were right and those types of things. Um, but once, once I got to uh, Florida State, my freshman year, you know, I was a punter. And, and so I like, wasn't able to, he wasn't, he didn't allow me to go out my true freshman year uh, to play basketball because he wanted me to have a spring underneath my belt to try to compete for the starting job, which I knew wasn't going to happen because I had two juniors, uh, two red shirt sophomores in front of me. Um, and so regardless of what I did in the spring, it wasn't going to trump those guys, um, <laughs> but I was already, you know, made aware, you know, during the recruiting process, uh, during that time, you were just going to have to wait your time. Um, that's just the way it was. And I knew that and wasn't a big issue. So, it, but, but what it did was it allowed me to go and play basketball my second year, my sophomore year. I redshirted in football and a great blessing out of all of that is because Coach Bowden allowed me to go and play basketball full time. But to go back, um, I played that summer, my fr- true freshman year, the summer um, leading to my sophomore year. I actually played in a summer league basketball um, here in Tallahassee, and I played with all the basketball players at Florida State. Um, and that was my – they were my advocates for going and talk to Coach Kennedy and saying we need to get him on, on our team or he can play. And so that was very helpful. Um, so when I got there my, uh, my second year – to play full time, they knew what I was capable of doing. And then I had to go and prove myself, of course. And, you know, I, I made, made a name for coming off the bench, uh, being a spark for our team. And then over the course of that season, uh, they decided to put me in the starting lineup. And that is what really helped secure my position each and every year um, on the basketball team. Now, the thing that's different that a lot of guys, and it's probably probably won't ever happen again, is because most guys don't get that leeway to go and play basketball for mm-hmm. a full entire year. Mm-hmm. Uh, most times they're coming from uh, their season because the coach is not going to allow a scholarship football player uh, that even may be redshirting uh, to go and play a full year of whatever sport just just let it go um and so that was something that a lot of people don't know but I was grateful for because it gave an opportunity to solidify my spot on the basketball team uh so when I did start playing uh football um they knew what I was capable of doing yeah Charlie let me ask you about now, first off, I got to let you know, my man, Scotty D here is a gator. So you know, I have no problem with the gators. <laughs> <laughs> we have no problem with you, Charlie. Um, so how does that, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not going to glaze How does a UGA <laughs> I know, right? and a I gator, know. a bulldog and a gator, how, how does that work? See, I'm Charlie, sim- similar to, to, to like you, we kind of get along with everybody. And me and Scotty D go back. We got a good relationship. So we kind of can put it apart for maybe one day out of the year, you know. So other than that, that, we good. Um, All right. You talked about the basketball part of it. Um, I just remember 
the demand that you have on college, in college. How did you balance schoolwork, basketball, football? You also was a good baseball player. I mean, how do you balance all that while in college and trying to play at an elite level at a major institution like Florida State? Well, I'll just say there's a couple of keys. One, um, I didn't have much of a lifestyle outside of sports and, and academics. <laughs> so uh, I didn't have to try to figure that whole part out. Uh, two, uh, the support staff, you know, that we have at, at Florida State and all the Division One, uh, all the schools, colleges now, um, you know, is, is off the charts. Yeah. And so I just had to do my part, which was, you know, get everything organized, be in places when I organized, got it organized, and also uh, help ask people for help. And um, the crazy part about all that, I was able to get my degree as well. Of course, I was in school for five years, but um, I was able to get my degree while I was in, before I left. Um, but the key is just balance, uh, balance and organi organizing your time. Um, and like I said, I didn't have any other interests outside of just uh, playing sports. And of course, the academic part I had to do and uh, grow in. And so, you know, I, that was most of the, how I was able to get through just because I didn't like hanging out. Uh, and, you know, I, I can do basketball, football and my academics uh, because, as you know, we had to have a certain amount of hours. You could test, I mean, uh, study hall hours and you could test out of it uh, or what have you. But, you know, once you got to that point, it was all you're probably in your major. Right. Um, and so just being able to have people, the professors working with me, you know, during basketball season when I was traveling, you know, they were working with me to make sure that I was able to get what I needed uh, from an academic standpoint. Uh, but the key was just, like I said, you know, people assisting, uh, but you being where you're supposed to be and working those things out so that you can achieve your goal as well. Charlie, obviously you, you had a, a really successful career uh, at, at Florida State. Uh, I want to ask you about Coach Mark Rick. Obviously, he was a guy that helped bring you all the way along. He helped uh, kind of guide you to get to that point where obviously you were able to go win a Heisman Trophy. And I remember him telling me a story of how, you know, when he first put you out there, you struggled. You guys were doing some stuff that really, uh, I guess struggle is an understatement, he, he, he said. But once he put you in the gun, that's when things change. And I think you look back on that time, that's when things started to open up and that spread offense and people started to really be, you know, they wanted that dual threat guy back there. When did it click for you when you finally was able to get in the offense and understand what they wanted you to do and then just, you know, kind of, play to your skill set. First off, what was that relationship like with Coach Rick? And then that changed from, okay, it clicked for me, and now I know I can go ball. Um, well, as you know, Coach Rick was a great role model. Um, he's a Christian man. Uh, we had devotionals before every uh, meeting, which, you know, sometimes we kind of looked at um, not so much religious, but it, they were great because that's right. the way I was raised. Um, and he had his family around uh, to practice, which is another way, you know, we had QB outings at his house. Um, just a lot of team type bonding uh, or quarterback room bonding 
uh, things that we did. We played games before, uh, target practice, you know, just di different things that we did before practice that, you know, helped enhance uh, just a QB room. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people always go back to, you know, the shotgun. Yes, that is kind of when the, the uh, when I started to come out uh, as far as being this type of quarterback. But I, I really go back to, I mean, I, I didn't have any experience when I, when I first played. I mean, you know, the only experience I had was, you know, garbage time uh, for three years. And all the experience I had was in practice, which, of course, practices were very competitive. But game-like experiences, I just didn't have them. And so that is one of the fundamental reasons why I struggled you know, really early because I just didn't have any experience. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of my throws might have been, I mean, they were good reads, but it's just bad throws. Um, and Or trying to force balls in that weren't supposed to be forced in, so they were getting tipped and up in the air. And, and as you know, you know, you have to fight through that mental uh, aspect when things aren't going well. But a part that uh, that it really started to click was when, yes, we went into the shotgun and we made a comeback against uh, Georgia Tech uh, my junior year. Um, but, of course, before that, I had like 13 interceptions in four, four games, which yeah. not very is not very good. Then I had two okay. interceptions in that game. Actually, that was the reason why we were down. Uh, but I was able to be able to – we were able to win all those games except for one, uh, which was Miami at the time. And that was the great part about it was, and, and people saw that I had four interceptions against Duke, but we ended up winning that game, you know, handily on my first year. Uh, the second game, we played Clemson. I had four, that was on the road. We had four interceptions. I had four interceptions in that game. One was a pick six. Uh, but the great part about that was I had an opportunity to win the game. Uh, as a quarterback, and we took them down. I took them down the field and scored the game-winning touchdown. And so people saw the good, the bad, um, you know, all in one game. And I think that's what gave people confidence uh, in me to be able to lead. And But once I figured out that if I can throw the ball to my team consistently, we could win big. <laughs> <laughs> that that's when it changed. Uh, you know, it just things just started to slow down. <clears throat> um, and yes, we were running a new offense that year. I mean, we we totally scrapped what we had, what I grew up on for three years, yeah. and we totally scrapped it. But it wasn't so much the shotgun; it was just more. I didn't have much experience. Mm. It transfer a little bit to start steering this conversation towards basketball, which is something we definitely want to get into. Uh, Scotty, you, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Before, before we go to basketball, okay. I, I'd be remiss. I got to ask Charlie about the day and age we're in now and what you think of some of the quarterbacks that are out now. Obviously, there are a lot of African-American quarterbacks in the National Football League now that are leading the way. Obviously, you see Lamar Jackson, you see Patrick Mahomes, you see Deshaun Watson, now you see Justin Fields coming in. There are a lot of guys on the next level now who have some of their similar 
attributes that we had coming out as well. What do you think of some of those guys and where the game is going with these type of players and athletes now in the National Football League? I'm definitely glad the NFL has adjusted uh, to our type of uh, um, athletes as far as being a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that is a big misconception about me was I was a runner. Mm-hmm. I was far from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just used my athletic ability to get out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, just sometimes it would be for a long run. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I, it wasn't like something I enjoyed doing. Um, I just did it because I wanted to um, be, I wanted to throw the ball. Um, mm-hmm. if, I, if I had a choice, I would throw it every down. Um, and so that was me. But I got labeled as, you know, an athlete or runner. But more importantly, just the size. Uh, and during my time, for sure, that wasn't happening uh, in the first round. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you'll get drafted in third or fourth round. That was like the, the trend at the time. But in the first round, you had to be a certain type of uh, – quarterback you had to be a certain size because they you know this can't miss or you know um a mistake a bus they weren't going to take a bus make a bus or be a bus with a six foot quarterback right. um and so that's just that's just wasn't going to happen um but i'm happy for the guys today um the nfl has changed uh they've had some some new coaches come in some new mindsets uh, they, they've gone and dibbled with dibbled and learned a little bit from the uh, college ranks um, because we're starting to see more of these guys uh, getting developed early, you know, with the uh, with the QB, with know, QB 11s and all this. Oh, yeah. Elite 11. Yeah. Camps elite and 11s and all these yeah. other um, QB um, camps that they have uh, for these kids today. So they're developing earlier. Um, and so I'm grateful for that. And that's kind of the trend that we're on now, uh, where guys are getting opportunities that are playing in these spread offenses. before spread offense meant you, you couldn't play or you're going to move to another position. Yeah. Like uh, Cal- now, Cal- Murray, no way of Callum Murray back in the day gets a chance. No, I agree. <laughs> 100%. Not well, he would get a chance, but it wouldn't be a first pick. I'll just right. say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, if, so if Charlie Ward were coming out of college in 2021, whoa, whoa. what would we be? Would we be calling Charlie Ward former New York Nick or former NFL player? What do you think? Uh, well, I, 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 I've gotten that question answered, uh, <laughs> asked as well quite a bit. And, you know, it would definitely be a tougher decision. That, that's for sure. It would definitely be a tougher decision just based on what I've just mentioned. You know, mm-hmm. the, the mindset of the NFL has changed. Uh, the opportunity to uh, get drafted in the first round, because my draft grade was a third or fourth round pick uh, mm-hmm. when I came out during, you know, 93, 94. And so I uh, just said that, I, you know, I have no clue that I'll be a first round pick in the NBA. But I just made the statement that I want to keep my options open. Mm-hmm. And so I, I told the NFL that if I didn't get drafted in the first round, that I would consider my I'll be considering my other options, uh, whatever they may be, um, which is a bold statement yeah. uh, for me in my situation. Hmm. 
Um, and someone who didn't feel like at that time, I mean, I had leverage because that was my choice. Uh, but of course, to other people, um, there was really no leverage um, because at that time, there was no demand <laughs> for a six foot quarterback yeah. uh, to be in the first round. But, you know, that's something that I made. I made a decision and I stuck with it. But if I had to do it today, it would definitely be a tougher decision. Mm. I mean, when, when you play basketball, it was just as physical as it was in football. So it, it's totally different <laughs> the way they play now. So uh, yeah. I hear you on that. Uh, obviously, man, you played for the Knicks for nine years. That's a big thing going on right now. Knicks back in the playoffs. Hawks haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. Hawks take game one. As we talk right now, game one is over, heading to game two on Wednesday. What is the biggest thing that you watch when you watch these ball games? I mean, do, do you see as though the Knicks have an opportunity to get out of this series? Or you think the Hawks, you know, have more, you know, young talent around? I mean, what do you look at when you watch this Hawks-Knicks matchup? One is four or five, which means they had the same record. And no they doubt. probably did, yeah. And they're the same teams in a lot of ways. <laughs> mm. And so the, the games uh, will be some, somewhat competitive. Um, you know, the game came, I didn't really, I didn't get a chance to watch it fully, but the game came down to, you know, Trey Young, uh, making a runner, mm -hmm. um, to, to win the game at the end, but it was a very, uh, highly competitive, uh, game. Um, now the thing that you would probably notice, and you probably notice if you watch the NBA, especially in playoffs, uh, every game is different. Yeah. And so it really depends on who makes the adjustments, mm -hmm. the mindset of the teams, because um, some teams feel like, uh, especially if they're younger, they feel like, well, we we got a split. We can get a split. Um, we win the first game or we can win one game on the road. And then they feel comfortable going home. But that feeling comfortable going home is not always <laughs> the key <laughs> to winning a series, yeah. you know, in every game coaches make adjustments and it depends on who comes out and plays with the greatest force. Um, and you'll see that in every single game. Um, you, you saw it last night um, in the, in the games, uh, one team, the team that lost, they always come back with an edge. Mm -hmm. um, and the team that won, especially if they won on the road, they always feel like, man, we we won one. They always say we stole a game oh, on the road. Yeah. And that whole mindset just leads to, you know, a loss. And then you go home and you say, well, we're going home and we feel comfortable. Um, it, next thing you know, you could you could lose the first game at home. And uh, <laughs> oh. so now you're down 2-1. Uh, but it, it's really all about mindset especially if you're a younger team, you just have to understand and know that you have to take each and every game and play it the same way. And if you don't, you're going to get your head handed to you um, <laughs> really, really fast. And then you got to regroup. And it's just a team that once really the series doesn't start until someone's facing elimination. Yeah. Charlie, that is a crazy way to look at it. And I, I, I can so see that scenario playing out. So that's, it's blowing my mind right now and making me a little worried. Not going to lie, because we are in Atlanta after all. Hey, um, what do you what do you think about um, Julius Randle? What he's what he the kind of season he had? He came out really, really flat uh, the other night. What does he need to do to turn it around? 
Well, I'm sure he he's watched film just mm-hmm. like they all did. Um, and he'll probably have a, a monster game because he'll know he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. But the thing that uh, a lot of people take for granted um, are this uh, the games during the season. Because the games during the season are preparing you for this, this opportunity um, that, to be able to have the mindset, be able to know how to come back after bad games. And so um, I think they prepared as Coach Thibodeau's, you prob- Thibodeau, you probably heard him talk about, you know, habits. Mm-hmm. Um, he, hopefully the habits that they formed during the course of the, the, the regular season will carry over to the playoffs. Um, and that's why it's essential for teams that are looking to try to move um, out of the first round, the second round, or win championships. Uh, you have to win, be consistent, consistently win on the road during the season because you're going to have to win games on the, on the road in the playoffs if you're going to move move forward. Um, and so I just think um, he'll come out and play a very good game. But the key – is going to be the force that the Knicks is going to play with. I guarantee yeah. they're going to play with. They're going to have a much higher um, effort, yeah, in all in all areas, and they're going to take away what Atlanta likes to do best. Uh, I'll I'll be shocked to see if um, the shooter, I think it's number thirteen, if he gets very many open looks like he did the other night. Um, they'll probably end up running him off the three-point line, and uh, they'll probably end up making it tough on Trey Young uh, and make him finish consistently and not get others involved. And so those are probably some adjustments that they'll make. Um, and then on the offensive end, they'll probably play with the type of force that they played with in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. uh, where they were attacking, attacking the backboards uh, of course, they were making shots. They were passing the basketball, trusting the pass. And you'll probably see that even more. And then Julius Randle probably go off. Charlie, mm-hmm. so, a couple more things before we let you get out of here, man. Uh, I got a two-parter here I want to ask you. One is, when you watch the game today, who kind of reminds you of yourself? And the second part of this is, for a guy who – has never had a chance to play in Madison Square Garden or be in Madison Square Garden. What is it like when those fans are rocking? Obviously, we haven't had fans back in a long time. They were back in that game one. looked like it was a raucous crowd. What is that like to play in front of those fans? Um, well, I'm not really sure who is more like me. Um, I was looking at a couple of the guys, uh, the, the point guard in Denver. Uh, he's he's uh, not Jamal Murray. No, no, he's hurt. Uh, the the one that's playing now, Capote. Uh, yeah. Yes. Him. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, those guys are setup guys. They they play their roles defensively. You see him getting after um, Damon Lillard. Lillard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, consistently. Um, he'll shoot the open shot. He's not trying to create all the time for himself. Uh, but he's just in the right spots. Um, those type of player, that was me. Um, I, I wasn't the guy who was going to ISO one on one. That was just wasn't my game. My my game was to pass to those other guys and get in a corner or get in a spot to be ready to shoot mm-hmm. um, and, and get everybody in, a, get us in the offense. And then on defense, you know, be a pest. 
uh, that was just my job. And <laughs> I knew that. And so I appreciated that. And that was one of the reasons why I was able to make it, you know, 11 years just because I knew my role. Yeah. And uh, I forgot what the other. Playing, playing in front of that, playing in front oh, of the Marcus yeah. crowd right there, Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a different. Um, when you're when you're winning, it's yeah. definitely different. And then being on COVID, you know, with them not being there and the team is uh, starting to win, um, it's definitely very loud. Um, and, and it definitely gives you a boost. Unfortunately, it didn't happen the other night, but they'll be back. The one thing about New York fans is when you're having great success, and even when we didn't, uh, when they weren't having great success, they were still selling games out. Mm -hmm. um, but the one thing about New York fans is whenever you're having great success, it, it takes it up even an, another notch. Um, they'll support, but when you're winning, I mean, it, it gets really to a point where it's fanatic. Um, <laughs> and it's great. You know, it's a great, great feeling, great opportunity for – you know, if you if you're in that situation and they're rooting for you, you know, it's really, really good. Uh, but that's one of the things some of the most some of the greater competitors, they like coming to the coming to Madison Square Garden because they know the fans are going to get on them. Yeah. And but they also like to play and try to shut them up. And so that's kind of a. Uh, a double negative in some form mm -hmm. of fashion because when you start dealing with dudes like Michael Jordan, Kobe <laughs> Bryant, and all them cats, That's I mean, you don't want, them. yeah, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't need, you don't need them to be eating off the crowd. Oh man, <laughs> do, do, do they just get Spike uh, free run of the entire place? I mean, Spike can do whatever you want right now. Well, <laughs> not anymore, but <laughs> uh, but he's uh, mm. he's a, definitely a fan. That's uh, been there for quite some time, and yeah. he's well known uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, before we let you go, man, I, I just want to point out some of the things that you're doing now. Obviously, uh, you host a web series called Chalk Talk with Charlie Ward, where you talk about uh, Florida State football. You actually got into some acting. Uh, you was on the Netflix series uh, Family Reunion. You played yourself on that. That's pretty cool, getting into some acting now. Um, and then you're also the head basketball coach at uh, the Florida State University Development Research School, Florida High. Uh, talk about the things that are important to you now. Uh, obviously, coaching, you have an impact on kids. You have an Im impact on their lives going forward. They get a chance to see Christ. They get a chance to hear it from their head coach and how important that is. But just elaborate for a minute on how important it is for the things that you're doing in life now for the next generation. Uh, well, it was definitely something I had to transition to uh, coming from the NBA, um, but I was grateful. My wife and kids uh, have, you know, they made the transition uh, easy. And, you know, I, once I got into coaching and the NBA level, um, I enjoyed it. Mm. And um, but the schedule got to got to a point where, <laughs> you know, it was I was missing, still missing family time. And so I wanted to find a, uh, a coaching gig that was, uh, flexible, uh, schedule was flexible and the high school ranks was, uh, you know, just that, you know, it gave, it gave me enough time to, to work, uh, but also gave me the family time that I needed, um, mm -hmm. to be able to be, be where I needed to be for, uh, the wife and kids mm -hmm. and those types of things. So, 
and, and just the experiences that I've been able to have over the years, uh, whether it was playing, the coaches I played for, uh, the things that they taught me. Um, I've just been wanting, I'm grateful that I've been able to teach uh, the young people um, as well to be able to help them because as we know, coaches have helped us uh, grow mm-hmm. and not just as um, athletes, but as men. And so I was grateful. I'm grateful that I have an opportunity to make an impact um, on young, young people as well. Um, and our daughter, you know, just family time. Uh, she's actually, our daughter's getting ready to graduate this year and she's heading to TCU. Nice. Um, and, um, and so we have a family foundation that we help support like her mission, which is uh, holiday notes where she is encourages and inspires uh, the elderly. Nice. Uh, but she also incorporates the community by uh, having some of the kids from the different, from lo- local um, elementary school, right? Uh, inspiring notes, messages to the elderly. Mm-hmm. And she'll take them over there and she's a musician as well. Uh, so she'll get some of her friends and they'll go play music and sing and those types mm-hmm. of things. And like the VA hospital, um, assistant living facilities, yeah. uh, homeless shelters. And so we've been supporting her in that effort uh, for the past few years. And um, and then we do some local, I'm not local, but we do, we, we partner with uh, uh, hurricane relief efforts. Um, as well as some of the things that I do at the school with the basketball program and our uh, FSU Cares uh, Classic, which is uh, a preseason classic that we do. And we donate the proceeds to whatever our mission uh, for the school is and our our Cares uh, mission. So we donate all the proceeds uh, from the gate uh, to that. And we also give a donation to the teams uh, that participate, you know, just a form of being able to give back uh, is during Thanksgiving. So um, it's just being able, wanting to do those things to be able to make an impact in the community. Um, and, you know, actually just now got getting into, I'm still trying to get on the Heisman House commercial more. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still working on that. So hopefully my, my fan reunion um, and some of my acting uh, gigs or my podcast that I'm doing, uh, believe in ACC right now. Uh, hopefully I can get on the Heisman House nice. um, commercials. But I'd, I've been on a couple of times, but they hadn't invited me back. Oh, man. I'm sure you'll be back soon enough once yeah. they see you. <laughs> on all these Netflix series and all this kind of stuff. But man, we, we, we appreciate it, man. Obviously uh, taking the time out today was big for us. Uh, yeah. As a guy who obviously I'm sure you hear this a lot. Uh, he was an idol of mine. I watched you growing up, obviously wanted to play like you want to be like you. And now I've seen you still, still doing great things in the community uh, and in life, man. It's a, a, a pleasure and an honor to have you here. Um, People who want to be able to follow you on Twitter is at Real Charlie Ward on Facebook, Charlie Ward Official, and then on Instagram, Charlie Ward Official. So, Charlie, man, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you dropping some gems on us. And, uh, you know, after this Hawks Knicks series, maybe we have you back and see if uh, it comes out any better for you. You get your <laughs> knicker box, man. Well, I'm sure it'll be a good, good series. You mm-hmm. know, Atlanta kind of came out of nowhere. You know, they fired a coach. Yeah. And got a new coach. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're the fifth seed um, in New York. 
they weren't expecting to be, you know, yeah. fourth seed for sure. Yeah. And so it should turn out to be a great series and definitely looking forward to it. I know there's Hawks people. You guys are li- listening. Uh, I mean, looking forward to winning the series. But, of course, no I'm doubt. a New York Knicker. No doubt. Um, and <laughs> I just hope the Knicks can pull it out. But um, it's definitely be a good series. All right, man, Charlie, man, we appreciate you, man, for joining us here on Triple Threat Podcast. Many blessings to you and your family, man. You guys stay safe and stay healthy around there and uh, continue to do great things, man. We appreciate you, man, and much love, Charlie. All right, thank you. Y'all have a good one. All right, thanks, Thanks, Charlie. Charlie. All right, I want to thank Charlie Ward for joining us on the Triple Threat Podcast. Man, what a legend to have on the show, all the things that he's done over the years and still doing great things in the community, but also one of the best to do it. And whatever sports you watched him in, but Heisman Trophy winner Charlie Ward join us on Triple Threat Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Continue to subscribe, tell somebody about it, and we appreciate you, man. From Scotty D, I'm DJ Shockley from the Triple Threat Podcast. Deuces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.